Well, good morning and welcome back to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. We are so glad that you chose to spend your Sunday morning here worshiping God with us. It's an exciting day today for a couple of different reasons. So before we get started, I just have to say a very special happy birthday to my son, Carter Stevens. Uh, Love you, Bubba. I hope you have a great birthday. Um, As most of you know, if you've been following along and you've been watching the live streams, we just finished up a series, kind of a lengthy series, about building resilient disciples. And I hope that you enjoyed that series. I know that I enjoyed bringing that series to you, and I think that at this point in time and the situation that we find ourselves in, I think it's a very pertinent subject matter for us to be talking about. So I hope that you enjoyed that. I got a lot of great feedback. I love our church family. Um, A lot of great feedback, and a lot of people told me they really enjoyed that series, and I hope that you did too. This week, we're going to launch into a brand new series, um, and this is something that we're going to call the Unsung Heroes of the Bible. Um, so I, what, I, what I want to take just a little bit of time to think about here this morning, and I'm going to do this just a little bit differently. I want you to think about who are those heroes of the Bible that you tend to think about. When somebody mentions heroes of the Bible, or like our, our children's worship did the all-stars of the Bible, take just a moment, and in the comments on Facebook or on YouTube or whatever you're watching on, just type in a couple of names of the people that you tend to think of when you think of the heroes of the Bible. So I want to encourage you to do that as we get ready to move forward here this morning, just list off some of those people that you think of when you think of heroes of the Bible. Now, here's a couple that just came to mind for me personally as I was thinking about my heroes of the Bible. And these may be similar to the ones that you guys are typing in, and these may be completely different, and that's okay. I thought about Jesus, of course. How do you think of the Bible without thinking about Jesus? I thought about Moses, and I thought about Aaron, of course, because, well... I think we all know why I thought of Aaron. Um, I thought of Noah, because Noah obviously played a very key role in the, the overarching story of the Bible. I thought about David, King David, and of course I thought about the apostles. Now, again, that list may be very similar to the list that you kind of came up with either in your head or that you posted on the comments, or it may be very different, and that's okay, because we each kind of find those central figures of the Bible that we can kind of relate to or that we can kind of latch on to, and that's okay. That's great. But the reason that I wanted to do this series is I I think that we kind of get hung up sometimes in thinking about the fact that these major characters were the only characters that had an impact in Christianity, that had an impact in the life of Jesus, or that had an impact in sharing the gospel during those key early times of our faith. So that's what I really want to take a look at here today. Now, I chose for our first step in this series to talk a little bit about Ananias. And we'll talk about why I chose Ananias here in just a moment. But what I want you to do is, in the comments again, I want you to talk about or list a couple of different people that you think of when you think of unsung heroes of the Bible. Now, these are kind of those underdog characters, right? The ones that maybe don't get the the press or get the publicity, but really played key roles in the story of the Bible. So take just a moment to do that before we move on here in our lesson. Now, I'm a big sports fan, and, and I know a lot of you guys are sports fans as well, and if you're not, I'm sorry, you're going to have to bear with me for just a couple of minutes, but th- we always talk about it's not just the stars of the team that win championships. 
And oftentimes, it's those unsung heroes that win championships. It's not just those big names, you know. We have a lot of big names, for example, in the sport of baseball. Everybody thinks of Aaron Judge and Mike Trout and some of those big, huge names. But they'll be the first to tell you that they didn't win those championships by themselves. There was always those key players who came in off the bench or came in as a substitute that really made a difference and really made an impact in that team and the success that they were able to have. And that's where the inspiration for this Unsung Heroes sermon series comes from, is I want to look at some of these people who maybe we don't necessarily think about, but they played a very key role in the story of the gospel. And what can we learn from those people? And we're going to start today with Ananias. Now, you might be asking why I chose Ananias. Here's just a few of the reasons that I chose Ananias. And we're going to unpack a little bit of this as we move forward in our lesson here this morning. But first of all, first and foremost, as you may or may not know, if you're familiar with this story, is he answered God's call. When God called him to do a specific job, he answered the call. Now, we know how important that is in the life of a Christian, and if you want examples, you can look no further than Jonah. We know what happened to Jonah when Jonah didn't answer the call. You remember, God gave Jonah a very specific task, and when Jonah decided to run away from that task instead of doing it, well, you all know how that story ended. He ended up in a fish. Um, so Ananias, first of all, he simply answered the call, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later, how important it is for us to answer those calls that God puts into our lives. But he put his fears aside. He built relationships, and he opened the door for the early church to really explode and to grow. And I think that that's crucial, and I don't think Ananias gets enough credit for this. But he had a major, major impact on what we see the gospel doing within the early church and how rapidly it started to spread. And if not for Ananias, who knows? We don't know if Paul would have been converted or maybe God would have chosen to use someone else. But what had happened if God had not arranged this meeting on the road to Damascus and if God hadn't spoken to Ananias and said, look, I need you to go and to convert Saul, who we later know as Paul. And we're going to talk a lot about Saul during our lesson this morning because that's really the name that he goes by during this time. It's later on when he starts teaching to other segments of people that he uses the name Paul. But I want to look at this amazing transformation, but not from the standpoint of what Paul did, because again, Paul's not an unsung hero of the Bible. Paul is definitely a hero of the Bible by, by every sense of the definition, but I really want to focus on the part that Ananias played. So let's get a little background. Let's get a little context going here. And we're going to be in Acts chapter 9. So if you have your Bible, you have your Bible app or wherever you'd like to follow along. Of course, I'll have them on the screens for you as well. But I want you to open to Acts chapter 9 because that's where we're going to spend the bulk of our time here this morning as we walk through this really important story. So read with me if you will. It says, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. It says, he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any of those who belonged to the way, it says, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So again, we kind of know this background story of Paul, or in this case, he was known as Saul at this time. But, but Paul, he was actively seeking out to persecute the Lord's people. 
So he's going to the high priest and getting these letters that will allow him to legally go to these small little churches in Damascus and try and stamp out this faith that they had been working so hard to grow. So he wasn't just an, a, a, an active, or he, excuse me, he wasn't just a passive. He was an active person who was persecuting Christians. He was going out of his way to seek out Christians and to torture them and to persecute them and to either imprison or to kill them. And it's important that we understand that. It's important that we understand his character and who he was before his conversion because that's going to help you understand exactly what it was that Ananias did. Let's pick up in verse 3. It says, As he neared Damascus on his journey, says suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. As we continue in verse 4, it says, He fell to the ground, and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now, of course, this is, this is the voice of the Lord coming down. It says, Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. He says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. It says, The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound and did not see anyone. Now, what a crazy story this is, right? And it's one of these just really entertaining um, stories of the Bible where you think about you think about this a little bit deeper. We tend to gloss over this story, right? Because we all know that Paul was converted on the road to Damascus and that the Lord spoke to him and blah, blah, blah. And we, we just kind of gloss over the details. But let's look at the details, Okay. He heard this voice come down, right, from above. And it's the Lord talking to him. And he's telling him what he needs to do. But, but look at verse 7. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anything. So think about that just for a minute. These people that are traveling with Saul, right, on the road to Damascus, all of a sudden there's this blinding light and there's this voice coming from nowhere. Imagine how what what they must have been thinking or how they must have felt. Can you imagine? You and your friend are walking down the road and all of a sudden you hear this voice out of nowhere and this blinding, flashing light. It'd be kind of crazy, right? So imagine what these people that were with Saul were thinking. They're probably going, wait a minute. What in the world is going on here? We've been out in the sun too long. Who knows what they were thinking, but they had to be a little bit awestruck by what they had just witnessed. So let's go ahead and continue. In verse 8, it says, Saul got up from the ground. It says, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. It says, for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. So his companions didn't really know what to do with him, right? Because here they had just seen this, this crazy scene take place on the road to Damascus. And now he's blind and they don't know what to do with him. So they basically just kind of take him to this house and drop him off and say, okay, okay, so what do we do? What do we do? Um, I guess we just take him into town and we just leave him. And that's kind of what his, his companions or his traveling partners did with him at this point because they didn't know what to do or what to think. So let's go to Acts chapter 9, Acts 9 verse 10, where it says, In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called to him in a vision. And he says, Ananias. And he says, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judea on Straight Street and ask for a man from Israel named Saul. It says, for he is praying. It says, in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. 
So here we have God using Ananias in this powerful way, and he comes to him in a vision, which isn't something that's necessarily unusual because that's something that we've seen before, and we'll see again. But what it says is that he spoke to Ananias in a vision, and he also spoke to Saul in a vision. Right? So we got multiple things going on here, right? Because he's not only coming to Ananias to tell him what he wants him to do, but he's going to Saul to say, look, this is what's going to happen so that he knows when that happens to answer and to follow the plan that he is working on. So let's go ahead and continue in verse 13. Lord, Ananias answered, he says, uh, I've heard many reports about this man and all of the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. It says, and as he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. So Ananias is going, whoa, 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 wait just a minute here, Lord. Wait just a minute. You want me to go to this guy who we have all heard and we all know what he's doing and he's up to no good. And he'll probably try and kill me when I get there is what he's thinking. You want me to go to him and you're going to use him? So Ananias has got, you know, I'm sure at this point that the wheels are turning. And he's going, uh, Jesus, have you not seen the news? Do you not know what this guy is doing now? We, of course, know that Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. But, but this is Ananias kind of, kind of questioning, right? He's kind of questioning. He's saying, Lord, uh, are you sure this is what you want me to do? Have you ever found yourself in that position? Have you ever found yourself in that position where, where you feel that God is calling you to do something and you're going... That can't be what you want me to do. And he's kind of questioning, he's kind of wrestling with the Lord, right? And I think that's okay. I think sometimes we are going to wrestle with what God is calling us to do or what God is telling us to do. Now, ultimately, we know that he has all of the answers and we don't. But I think it's normal human nature for us to go, I just don't know. So you want me to go talk to that person? You want me to go help that person? You want me to go to this place? You want me to spend time with these people? These are the questions that go through our minds, right? Just like Ananias was doing, where he's saying, Lord, I don't know about this. So let's go ahead and continue in verse 15. It says, but the Lord said to Ananias, go. It says, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. It says, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So he's saying, Ananias... I understand your concerns, but this is what I'm asking you to do, and just go do it. It's almost like, it's almost like for those of you parents out there, you know how sometimes we tell our kids to do something, and they say why, and what do we say? Because I said so, right? I feel like that's kind of what the Lord is saying here. He's saying, hey, just go. I know what I'm doing. I got this. It's all under control. Just go do what I'm asking you to do. And he's going to use... Saul, this guy who's persecuted Christians, who has actively seek to destroy everything that Jesus is working for, he's going to use him in this powerful, powerful way. Now, if this isn't a perfect example of the fact that God can use anybody, I don't know what is. God can use you, and God can use me, and God can use your next-door neighbor or your coworker, or all those other people that you have always thought, oh, there's no way God would use that person. This is a perfect example that he can and he will use anyone for his purposes. And we tend to write people off, right? 
Again, human nature is a tough thing to get around. We tend to write people off. When we see people who are not living in the way we think they should live, we just tend to write them off. But God has bigger plans than what you and I could ever imagine. And he could still be willing to use that person. God didn't call me into full-time ministry until two years ago. And most people at that point in my life, because I would have been 44 at that time, um, most people at that point in my life were like, what, you're going to change careers at this point in your life? But God was calling to me, and God had been preparing me, and God had been getting me ready to use me to, to, to serve his kingdom. And he can use other people in the same way, regardless of what their path looks, up, looks like up to that point. And again, Paul is the perfect example. But, but what did God do is he used Ananias as kind of the middleman to do that. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more here in just a moment. It says, then Ananias went to the house and he entered it. It says, placing his hands on Saul, he said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, God used Ananias and the Holy Spirit to go and to restore Paul's sight. Because see, Paul had been blinded for three days now. And he sent Ananias, and he used him in this powerful way to go and to restore his sight and to let him know about the power of Jesus Christ. It says immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. I love that. There's so much debate today about baptism. And I hear so many people in the world debating about baptism. Is it really necessary? Do we really need to be baptized? Isn't it enough just to say a prayer? Isn't it enough just to proclaim that you believe in Jesus? Do I really need to be baptized? Over and over in the scriptures, we see examples of people when they're transformed being baptized. We even see Jesus Christ being baptized. Now, if baptism wasn't necessary, then why would Jesus Christ have been baptized? He was sinless. He didn't need to be baptized for the remission of sins, so to speak. He did it because he was obeying his Father's will. And we see the same thing with Saul. The first thing that he did was get baptized. It says, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. God used Ananias in a huge and powerful way in this story. Now, if you know, and I know many of you do, we know what Paul goes on to do, and we'll talk about that. But Ananias was such a key factor in the story of Saul's transformation to Paul and the amazing thing that he goes on to do. So let's continue reading in chapter 9, verse 20, it says, at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. It says, all of those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? It says, and hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Ironic, isn't it? That he started off this journey to tear down everything that Jesus had been working for, to tear down what Ananias and the people in that small church in Damascus had been working for, 
and he ends up preaching to those very same people. God used Ananias in a big way to help convert Saul into Paul, the man that you and I know, and the things that he went on to do. Because see, Paul goes on to not only spread the gospel as much, if not more so, than any central fi- one singular figure in the New Testament, but he also wrote at least half of the New Testament. Now, I know that's up to some debate on whether he wrote every one of the books that he's given credit for, but, but either way, you can't argue that Paul is not a central figure in the Bible. And it took another person. See, God used this third party in Ananias to accomplish this conversion. And I want you to think hard and long about that. Let's skip to the book of Matthew real quick because I want to, I want to change gears just a little bit because I want to start thinking about how do we take this story and how do we apply this to our lives. And these are the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and 38, because you can't really go wrong with the words of Jesus. It says, then he said to his disciples, says, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. It says, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest fields. This is the perfect metaphor for exactly what we're talking about and exactly what we just talked about in this Building Resilient Disciples series. The workers are few, but there is so much work that needs to be done. And it starts with that one person and it starts with those singular relationships. So let's talk about where do we go from here? How do we be more like Ananias? And what do we take away from this that we can apply to our lives so that we can do the same type of work that he did. And that's to encourage others to follow Jesus. We have to encourage others to follow Jesus. The Bible tells us how can people be saved if they don't know the gospel? Well, that's where you and I come in, right? Because we've got to be like Ananias and we've got to be willing to let God use us in a powerful way to impact someone's life so that they can go out and impact other people's lives. So you could argue, well, Ananias really only impacted Saul. But did he? Because look at what Saul did as Paul the Apostle. He impacted, I'm going to say millions of lives, because not only did he impact all the people that he taught and the people that he wrote letters to, but even today his words are powerful and are teaching us 2,000 years later. His obedience to God changed the world. See, he didn't do like Jonah. He didn't say, "Eh, you know what, God, that's not really a mission I want to go on. He didn't say, I've heard about that guy, and I don't want anything to do with that guy. No. Yeah, he did question it, but ultimately, what did he do? He said yes to God. Are we saying yes to God? When God is putting these things in our hearts and putting these things in front of us, are we saying yes to God? Or are we being more like Jonah and being like, eh, no, I'm good. When God puts people in front of us that need our help, that need to hear about Jesus, are we willing to be like Ananias and go do the hard things because hard things are hard? Or are we like the story of the Good Samaritan and do we pass on the other side? See, we've got to be like Ananias, and we've got to say, yes, Lord, please do use me. Put people in my path that need to know more about you, and use me to work for the kingdom. Ananias did just that. When we walk in obedience, we too can change the world. 
And I believe that. And I believe that here in Mission Viejo, we can change our community, and we can change our city, and we can change our state, and we can change the world. But we have to be willing to say yes to God. We have to be willing to take the Great Commission seriously and teach Jesus to everyone that will listen to us. And if we could truly do that, imagine if we truly did that. Imagine if we really did that, and the 200-ish people that go to this church, every one of them took up that mission to say, you know what? I'm going to go tell one person about Jesus. I'm going to tell one person who doesn't know Jesus about Jesus. And what if that 200 people told 200 more, who told 200 more, who told 200 more? See, Ananias converted one person who then converted many. And when we walk in obedience to God and what he's telling us to do, we can do the same thing. God uses people to build disciples. God uses people so that he can use other people. And we know that just like what Paul told Timothy, and Paul taught Timothy so that he could teach others who would teach others who would teach others. But see, it takes that first person. It takes that first person. If Ananias had never converted Paul, then who knows? Paul may not have converted Timothy, who taught others, who taught others. Paul may not have written half of the New Testament. Maybe God used somebody else, or maybe God would have used somebody else to convert Paul. We don't know the answer to that question. That's really not the point. The point is, are we like Ananias? When God calls something into our lives, do we say, yes, Lord, I want to work for the kingdom? Or do we say, eh, I don't really want to do that because it's not easy. I don't really want to go disciple to that person because I don't like the things that they do or I don't like their background. Because that would have been an easy thing for Ananias to say in this case. You want me to go disciple to this person who murders Christians? And God says, yeah, that's exactly what I want you to do. But are we like Ananias? And we're saying, yes, God, use me. Use me in a powerful way to advance your kingdom. And that's what I want to leave you with here this morning. Are we like Ananias? Do we do those hard things? Or do we pass on the hard things because, well, quite frankly, hard things are hard? I don't know, and I can't answer that question. But I know that we need to be praying to God. God, yes, I want you to use me in a powerful way and give me that strength and that courage that when you put that calling on my life, that I'm going to walk in faith and confidence and I'm going to do just that. Wherever you may be this morning, maybe you've never had the chance to say yes to God. Maybe you've never had that chance to say yes to the gospel and yes to being baptized for the remission of your sins and so that you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If that's something that's on your heart, if you need to say yes to God, I want to encourage you to do so. Reach out to us here at the office and we can make that happen. Or maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, but you just haven't been able to go out and make disciples like we're called to do. Maybe you haven't been able to be like Ananias and to say yes to God. We would love to pray with you and pray for you and teach you and walk side by side with you as you do that. If there's any way that we can help you here, we want to encourage you to reach out to us. And I want to encourage you to think about how you can be like Ananias as we sing the song that's been selected. Thank you again for joining us here at the Mission Viejo Church of Christ here this morning. We are so thankful that you chose to spend your morning with us as we worship the one true and living God.
Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful day that you've given us. We thank you for this opportunity that we have in this virtual space to still come together to be a church family and to continue to do your work. Heavenly Father, we pray this morning you'll help us to be like Ananias. Help us to answer that call that you have on our lives. Help us to say yes confidently and help us to have the courage, the strength, and the, and the honor to move forward in a way that is pleasing and acceptable to you. Heavenly Father, as we get ready to go our separate ways this morning, we pray that you will just continue to be with us, continue to keep us safe. And most of all, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all that you do for us, and thank you for loving us enough to send your Son. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Well, thank you again so much for joining us. We hope to see you all tonight. Thank you. Wonderful, so wonderful is your unfailing love. Your cross has spoken mercy over me. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart could fully know. How glorious, how beautiful you are. Beautiful one, I love. Beautiful one, I adore. Beautiful one, my soul must sing. Powerful, so powerful, your glory fills the skies. Your mighty works displayed for all to see. The beauty of your majesty awakes my heart to see how marvelous